to get everything arranged here. Ah. Words. How we use them affects everything we do. Good and or bad. Sometimes words can be taken wrong. I want to show you an observed example of this. This little story that I got hold of shows how certain words or certain ways we talk can be taken out of context. And it is really designed as a humorous little story, kind of a joke. Uh, It's told of a couple hunters out hunting. When all of a sudden one of them clutches his chest, falls to the ground, seemingly not to be breathing. His eyes are rolled back in his head. His partner with him, terrified of what just happened, gets out his cell phone and calls 911. Tells the operator that he thinks his friend is dead and asks, what can I do? The operator trying to be as calm as possible, says in a soothing voice, stay calm and let's make sure he's dead. And as he's preparing to tell him how to go about this, a single shot rings out. His friend comes back on the line and says, now what? Obviously, it's not what the caller had on the phone, the uh, operator who is trying to talk to him to explain how to check on his friend. But it is something that we can be aware of. Sometimes our words get taken out or taken the wrong way. Sometimes our words are meant to hurt. Sometimes our words are meant to bless and encourage. Let's uh, read James chapter 3, the first 12 verses. James here is giving a instruction for not all people become teachers. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if one does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. 
If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a small or a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs, so also the tongue is small, is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by a, such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness in it. The tongue is set among our members, sustaining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind beast, kind of beast and bird and of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brother, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth the same from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. There's a lot here that James has to say. We will all be judged by what we say. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good person out of good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of their evil treasure brings forth evil. This is Matthew 12, the second part of verse 34 and 35. A sure sign of a true or worthless faith shows itself by what and how we speak. James starts off here with a warning. Teachers. The word teacher here actually is not limited to just teachers, but also leaders. All who communicate instruction fall under this heading of teachers. We need to be wary of how and what we say. As those of us who teach and instruct will come under a much greater judgment. As to what we've said. In other words, because we are instructing, we need to make sure 
what we instruct and teach him is true. For if we lead those astray, then we are not faithful and true. Have our words led someone away from God? Good question. But not only we leaders and teachers, but everyone falls into this category. You ask how? We teach our children. In speaking with our friends and those we meet, our speech, our actions affect everything. When we speak from our heart, it will reveal our true being, our true self, as they say. Leaves us with a question Was it edifying? Was it uplifting? Was it encouraging? Or was it gossip? Was it misleading? Was it degrading and hurtful? Things we must ask before we speak. If we are deeply caring about one another, and our integrity and truth is quickly revealed. If not, if we are mad, upset, resentful, we can pick that up very quickly as well. Sometimes it's not just what we say. Sometimes it's how we say it. When we get upset over things, we just blow up? Do we ruin our Christian walk by our actions? A lot of a lot of times we try to cop out that we are only human. Yes, we are human. But we are called to be faithful to our Lord, which is to bring forth Edification, encouragement, enlightenment. To show forth faith, love, sending grace. James here realizes that and says we are not perfect. And that we do stumble. When we stumble, we need to repent. Unless we can keep our entire body under control, including our mouth, become perfect. But is there a perfect man? Just one. Jesus Christ. As we put our faith into action, we start controlling our tongues. Our faith shines forth for all to see, for all to hear. Last week, or the last couple of weeks, we spoke on 
faith and works. And how faith without works is useless. By putting that faith to work, we find we control our tongue so much more and our actions. And we've started to become Christ-like. It's amazing that a little piece of metal placed in a horse's mouth will direct them in the way we want them to go. Right? Left? Stops? Even back up. Or the ship. These large ships, even today, when we look at it, it's controlled mainly by a rudder. And the pilot of the ship turns the rudder one way or the other, and the ship goes right or left. It controls the direction. These little things. And yet we have that little little piece in everybody. And a lot of it controls the direction that we take. A lot of times, it can even direct not just ours, but everyone we come in contact with. The tongue is compared to a fire. In the last few years, we've seen how a small little fire can become very large, destroying everything in its path. Our tongue, that little tongue, can be just as destructive, destroying those around us and destroying ourselves. The untangled tongue is in action. Or is sin in action? It is unbridled. It sinks its own needs and wants. Goes where it wants. As it goes on, it begins to want more and more. Has no regard for others. Unless you care to join it. Bragging, exaggerating, complaining, speaking ill of others, teaching falsely. It gives birth to other sins. Has an effect on others, destroying the relationships, physical, spiritual, emotional aspects of life, can be ruined. It does corrupt the entire body. Words. James says, from the same mouth comes both blessing and cursing. Verse 10. Out of the very same mouth, we have blessing and cursing. We bless God. We curse fellow man who is actually made in the image of God. 
Let's consider words, though. Genesis. The words were used to create the world. They are used to forgive, to bless, to lift up, and encourage. Words are also used to curse, destroy, imitate, or intimidate, and abuse. Shows no partiality, it condemns. And they can kill. Speaking in the Gospels. At the trial of Jesus, what words were heard? What words were were told to Pilate? Crucify him. Crucify him. What they cried of Jesus. Yes, words can destroy, can kill, it can also give life. James, in the first chapter, verse 19. James says, This you know, my brothers, my beloved brethren, that everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Personally, I think it should have been read that we should be Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slower to anger. But to bring our tongues under control, we must be quick to hear and slow to speak. And as we are slow to speak and quick to hear, especially hearing the Word of God, we begin to replace what is in us, what is from God. We need to replace the old person with the new person. Ephesians Chapter 4, starting with the 20th verse. But you did not learn Christ this way, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught in Him, just as truth is in Jesus. That in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit. 
and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speaking truth to one another, to each one of you with his neighbor. Think about that a little bit. The true word, the gospel. Someone shared those words with you. Shared those words of God with you. You believed. And those words brought you life. For your confession in Jesus Christ, salvation, grace are now yours. What does it mean? That as we put off the old self with its sin, it becomes filled more and more with the Spirit of God. As we study His Word, sing songs of praise, encourage one another, we become more Christ-like. What happens when we become more Christ-like? Less of self? More of Him? When we have less of self and more of Him, we begin to control the tongue. We find verse 29 of Ephesians 4. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need for the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. And it is. God's word has given us grace and mercy. And as we accept Christ, we come into salvation where grace and mercy abound. We study His Word. We become more and more like Him. For everything that we think, say, and do. Let's follow four simple steps. One, is it the truth? Two, is it fair to all? Three, will it lift up, build friendships and goodwill? Four, is it beneficial to all? The thing that is, is we have to take all four of these together. Because we can't separate them. may be true, but will it lift up and build? Is it beneficial? Is it fair? So our speech needs to be 
considered with each one of those together. They cannot be separated. May our speech give grace to those who hear them. May our actions show them grace. If God gives us grace, we must share that grace. And by sharing that grace, we put our faith into action. Again, going back to the last couple of weeks, putting faith to work. Our hope is all believing, repentant sinners is that the judge of our lives is our loving Savior who died for us. What about a perfect, sinless man? What would he be like? We have a good example in Christ. But here are a number of things that a sinless, perfect man would be like. He is a man of self-control. He's faithful, full of love, long-suffering, full of goodness, meekness, full of joy and peace. Yet he is poor in spirit and mourns over his sins. He hungers and thirsts after righteousness. And he's pure in heart. He suffers for the righteousness sake. He loves God first, his neighbor second, and himself last. He seeks the Lord God with all his heart, his soul, his mind, and strength. When he sinned against, he forgives. When he is cursed, he blesses. There's only one name that comes to mind. Jesus Christ. We can only get to this sinless state through Jesus Christ Himself. Have you accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Have you given your life to Him? You're accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior, studying the Scriptures, the Word of God. We are renewing our minds and our lives. With our tongues we have confessed Jesus Christ as our Savior. Putting our faith into action, we ask God for help. He gives us His Holy Spirit who works in our lives, guiding us to become more Christ-like in our words, in our actions, bringing glory to God. Through Jesus Christ, His Son.
going back to Ephesians chapter 4, starting with the 29th verse. Gives us a little bit more how we ought to live our lives. About no unwholesome word proceeds from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for the edification according to the need of the moment. For that will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God is a favorite aroma. How we ought to live our lives can only be done through renewing of our minds. Colossians third chapter of the twelfth verse says this. So those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, but in our hearts compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has complained against anyone. Just as the Lord forgave you, so also you should. Beyond all those, all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, with thanksgivingness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. We find many of these things we are to be Listed in what is a perfect man. The same attributes that were in Jesus, that Jesus showed through his entire life on earth. The teaching of the apostles were the same teaching on how we ought to live our lives. Not for our glory, but for the glory of God. Because there's only one name in heaven in which man is to be saved.
Jesus Christ. This message is not to condemn anyone. Yet it is a warning on how we ought to live. That we can only be Christ-like. Going back to Romans in closing. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living, holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. I have a little side note on that. My side note says, and pleasing. Pleasing to those who hear. Most of all, pleasing to God our Father. As we prepare our hearts in communion, I ask that you would hold the emblems to partake of together. The worship team and ushers come forward. <clears throat>